Good morning, everyone. Um, so, um, if y'all don't mind, I also would like to open up with a word of prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, Father. We thank you that you pursue us, Lord. We thank you that you've given us the cross of Calvary, Father. There's a solution to sin, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us, Father. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us words to speak today that's gracious, Lord. I pray if there's one in this room, Father, that, that needs help, Father, they'll reach out, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for Hillside Church, Father. And, Lord, we just ask that you be with us. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So, like Brother Chad uh, stated, we, uh, my name is Bobby Dodd. This is Jesse Dodd, my wife. And uh, we are area recovery missionaries for the Dodge County Baptist Association. Um, so I'm going to open up with a, a, a brief testimony of myself, and then Jesse will give one of hers, and then we'll tell you about our ministry. Um, I'm born in, I'm born in, I'm married into Dodge County, and uh, I was born and raised in southern West Virginia, and uh, I was homeschooled, and I was raised in a, another religion, that's another testimony for another time, but I went to college in 91, and um, I found alcohol and drugs. So from 91 until 2008, I pursued alcohol and drugs. Um, I just wasn't a drug addict or an alcoholic, I was criminally minded. Um, I graduated in 96 and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and there I um, resumed in alcohol and drugs and criminal activity. Um, I became a counterfeiter and uh, I, I pursued that until 2006 when I was arrested. Um, my whole life up until 44 I was without Christ. Without him. I was never taught of Christ. I never had church. Um, and. The way I was raised, I was very prideful, and it was very performance-driven. Everything I had to do was performance-driven, whether it be in the religion or in my life. It was all about me and what I could do and what I couldn't do. Um, that's slavery within itself. Um, I became addicted to heroin and alcohol and Xanaxes. Um, and then in 2006, I was arrested for counterfeiting money, and the federal government came in, and they took everything I had. When I was arrested, they came at me with 360 months, so there's no way that really any of y'all should even know my name right now. That's 30 years. And um, I do believe that God was pursuing me in this time. He had a purpose and a calling in my life, and he pursued me. And I do believe it wasn't the judges that dismissed it. I do believe that God's sovereign power had something to do in that courtroom that day. Georgia picked it up, though, and they brought me back, and they gave me 10 years here in Georgia. So I did eight of those 10 years in the Georgia prison system. I got out in 2016, December. Um, I'd like to say that all through prison I may have sought Jesus, but I didn't. Pride will get you a long ways. But when you fall, you fall hard. Um, in 2016 I got out, and that was December. So for the next year I did what I've always did. I went back to drug addiction because that's all I ever knew. And I went back to counterfeiting money. And then in 2017, towards 2018, I got arrested on a misdemeanor charge, and I was put in Fayette County, Georgia. I went to, uh, went to cell 508. I relate that to Romans 58 now, but they took me into cell 508. Should have been a 20-day sentence, maybe. Turned out to be 62 days, and then in that time, Jesus Christ found me. I don't, I don't say I found God. God found me in a jail cell, broken, tired, and... Um, I received salvation, 
um, a little old man came in and led me down, led me down the road of salvation, spoke to me about the gospel, and, um, and I was set free. But before he came in, I was in this jail cell, and I was praying. I was praying that God showed me something, do something. I'm tired. I weighed 120 pounds. My family was just, just you know, my children didn't know me. I abandoned my children. My whole family, my whole life was a wreck. And my whole family prior to that died while I was in my addiction. So no one ever really seen me clean. You know, thank God for forgiveness. So I read a book. I was crying out for God to show me something. And there was a little book in this jail cell called 50 Reasons Christ Came to Die by John Piper. And I would look in that, and my belief drives behavior. And I would get mad because I seen Jesus as God. So I didn't believe that. You know, that was, that was wrong. But I picked up this little book, and I read it that night. And when they popped the door, I went to the kiosk, and I said, I need to see somebody about salvation. God moved on my heart that night through a book. And then this man came in, and, you know, I was 44 at the time, and his name's Rex, and he, you know, we went, he would share the gospel with me. And I got up from the table one day, and he hugged me. And I've never been hugged in 44 years. Y'all might think that's a little extreme. But I was never loved growing up. And when this man hugged me, it was through that moment that I felt the love of Christ. He was the hands and feet of Christ that day. And I felt the love of Christ, and he hugged me. And I knew then, I knew then something changed. And then I got out and I went to a Better Way Ministries, and it was an 18-month-long program, and it's where I was a place where I could sit down and learn my identity in Christ, and most important, Christ's identity in me. And I was able to, to be entrusted with things and held accountable and, and, and given correction. And it, it was one of the toughest things I ever did at 44. I mean, it was the toughest thing I ever did. And I did eight years in prison. But I tell you what, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, through A Better Way Ministries, I was able to come to know Christ and, and, and know my identity and be able to share the gospel. And now the prisons that said I would never come back in allow me to come back in as a chaplain in Georgia. That's only God. That's only God. Um, God, God has restored everything to locust ate. That's a promise of God. He has restored everything to locust have ate. Um, restoration with our children. Um, he's given me a beautiful godly wife. And now he's given us a beautiful ministry that we can take the testimony that he gave us of hope to those who are lost. We're able to enter in with, with family members who, who are hurting and think there may be no hope. But we know there's hope, and the hope is Jesus Christ. And we have that by experience, by experience. Hey, y'all. Um, my name is Jesse, and I'm actually from Dodge County. As Bobby was saying, he's married into Dodge County. So um, I don't want to really start my testimony from my addiction because it, it goes much deeper to that. We are born into sin. And so we need a savior. And at a very young age, I had a bad misunderstanding of who God was. I thought he was a cold God that if you messed up, you know, I didn't understand forgiveness. I didn't understand any of these things. And I was always searching for um, significance, acceptance, security, these things that, that everyone is born needing, but they're needing them from God. And, and they'll find them in something else. And so um, by, that, by, by 14, 15 years old, um, I was seeking those things in, in boys, in men, in drugs, and it just led to a life of sin. Um, by the age of 23, I had had three children. Um, 
all of them had been taken from me because of drug addiction. I, I became very badly addicted to pain medication. I usually tell people this in, in my uh, testimony. If you're taking medicine and, um, and you're realizing you're taking it uh, not as it's prescribed, or even if you're taking it as it's prescribed, be careful. Because that, you know, I, I don't like to use, the, it's innocently addicted, but it becomes, it becomes, you know, your idol. And so that's what started out happening to me, and then it became a meth addiction. And um, all my kids had been taken away rightfully. I, I wasn't being a mother. I didn't know how to be a mother. Um, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know how to love. I can, I can truly look back and say, and, and some people don't understand this, but if you're on this side of the cross, you get it. I never loved my kids because I didn't know what love was. You can't give something you don't have, and I didn't know the love of Jesus. And so um, at the age of probably 30s, after a lot of sin, a lot of addiction, and, and all, the, all the things that come along with that, jail, in and out, I had eventually uh, lost my mind to the point of I had been 10, 13, and I don't know if y'all know what that is, but they, they will arrest you for harming yourself or someone else, and I, I just could not even carry on a conversation with people. My sister at this point was looking for uh, like a nursing home to put me in. I was 35 years old, um, and she was trying to find somewhere that I would live for the rest of my life because doctors were saying that I would never come back from that state. Um, I couldn't talk. I couldn't carry a conversation. It was, it was really bad. Um, and so she found a place in South Georgia, and it was called the Potter's House for Women, and um, they took me in. Had they known the condition I was in, they probably would have said no. But um, the power of Jesus is very strong. And so I, um, God met me. You know, God came to me. God sought me, and he exchanged his life for mine. And he healed my mind. Um, he gave me hope. He gave me a future. And he also gave me a job in that ministry. So for the past uh, five years, I've been working there and up until, up until this year. But I've been working there discipling women and teaching them their identity and what Christ says and who he says they are because, you know, we can call, the world will tell you that we're still addicts. If we were to go to a meeting, we'd, you'd hear, I'm Jesse, I'm an addict. God says that I'm a new creation in Christ. I cannot hang on to, to who I was. That's not who I am anymore. And so that's what we try to go into, you know, and teach people. But since then, um, God's moved us to, to Eastman where my son was living. I, we say our son now because God gave, you know, Gunner to Bobby as well, and um, we get to raise him. He has, he has his own testimony himself where God, you know, transformed him and is still transforming all of us, but um, thank y'all so much for having us. We're going to speak about our ministry a little bit now. Amen. As you can tell, we get sort of awkward at this, <laughs> uh, but Jesus is, no, I'm speaking for myself. But Jesus is so good to us, and, and our ministry that he's blessed us with is, is to share what he's did in our life. And a lot of that is we're, we're driven on belief. Our behavior comes off what we believe. And we've got to replace these, these beliefs with truth. What's the scripture say? Not what does society say? Not what does doctors say? But what does scripture say? Because Jesse and I both was labeled a lot of mental health labels. You know, subtract the drug addiction and get us cleaned up. Those labels, they, they, they go away. Unless you believe you're these things, and you're still going to continue to say, well, this is why I am what I am, because I'm bipolar, I'm schizophrenic. I'm... But God renewed us, and God gives us a hope um, that we can be set free. 
set free. And it's just not for the attic, it's also for the family, you know. Um, this is such a fragile area that, you know, because I burned a lot of bridges, and people get tired of it, and they just take their hands off. And Jesse has an analogy when families call us, we'll go in, and like when they have defibrillators reviving somebody, they say clear. So when we go in, we ask the family to clear, back up, and let us enter in with them. Families have to set boundaries, and that's the hardest thing for a family member to do is set a boundary um, because, you know, we want to we be able to save our loved ones or, or encourage them, but sometimes when we're doing that, we're enabling them to death. They have a better of a chance of if we back up from them than, and take your hands off to survive than if we keep enabling them on in, in their disease or their addiction. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's sin. It's not a disease. So let me please take that from my, what I just said. It, it's sin. Um, it's not a disease. It's sin. And we have a cure for sin. Um, the ministry is, we are at the Christian Life Center, and we go into three different county jails. We go into Dodge County Jail, we go into Telfair County Jail, and we go into Wilcox County Jail, and also with Montgomery State Prison in Mount Vernon. And when we go in, we enter, enter in with these people in the jail cells, and we share the gospel with them. First of all, we share the gospel with them, the gospel, first and foremost. And then if they, wanna, if they start showing that they got a willingness to want to change, just a will, just an just a little willingness to say, hey, I'll do whatever it takes, then we'll help them get to a discipleship program, a place where they'll learn about Jesus, a place where they will be loved on, a place where they'll be held accountable, a place most important, again, is that they will learn who Jesus Christ is. Um, so I guess we'll talk about part of what the ministry's doing and what we're doing in the jails and, and stuff like that. Um, we, about October of last year, uh, God opened a huge door. We had, we had, Bobby had stepped, we had stepped out in faith. I, I say he because I was holding his shirt tail. He has, you know, some people have the gift of faith and, and, and some just have the measure. I got, Bobby has the gift. So um, anyway, we stepped out in faith and, and then God started opening doors and he opened up first the, the Telfair Jail for us. He has uh, quite larger pods than I do, but I started going in October, and these women, there is one in particular who had the hardest heart that I believe I've ever came in contact with. Um, there's not very m many women in the Telfair Jail, but just going in weekly and being able to uh, not look at them as their criminals, but look at them like God looks at them, like you are my children, I'm calling you back to be restored to me. So um, he gives us, he, he allows us to see from that, that place because if we, you know, if we, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his own son for us. And, and that's how we're to look at the world, whether it be sin or whatever, you know, just somebody caught up in pride. And, and he gives us the heart of compassion to be able to do that. Well, the woman with the very hardened heart, um, has now been discipling other women. She actually leaves Friday to go to a program. She's been in there for, since October or November, and she's taken theology classes. Uh, they've got the walls decorated with scripture. I can't say that I did any of this because I really didn't. This was the Lord. You know, she got saved and she surrendered her life to Jesus and now God's using her as a vessel and I pray he continue using her wherever she goes. And we're seeing that kind of uh, thing happen in Dodge County Jail too. Yeah, Dodge County Jail is starting. We, were, we, we couldn't get in there at all, but now it's opened up. We've been praying. 
And we pray every Tuesday morning at First Baptist. We're praying one morning, and then we was able to go in that same day. And now um, God has showed us favor, and we're able to go in. We go in on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. for a men's Bible study, and then Wednesday at 1 for the women. Then every other Sunday, Jesse and I rotate. She goes to the women's pod, and then I divide up the men's pod. Um, recently, we had nine professions of faith there. Um, we have administration calling us on individuals to try to get them somewhere. So that's God's favor inside the jail. They're just not saying, okay, let's just send them to prison. You know, there is a place for, for, for prison, but if I, I feel and I believe that if no one's ever known the chance of, to, get, to get, you know, help, let's give them help, you know. So, of course, there's repeated offenders, and prison has its place. Nobody's getting, you know, nobody's not getting held accountable for what they did. But some people just don't know Jesus, and that's the big thing of it. I mean, I, like Jesse said, I couldn't love my children because I didn't know anything but the world. And when I graduated at Better Way Ministries, I had to ask my daughter for forgiveness to say, I never loved you, Skylar. And that, that was pretty difficult. But now, but now we have the love of Christ that compels us. And when we go in, we're able to really enter in because we're there. And we're able to take people in because even though we go in, and they can, they, they can relate to us because we've been there. But when you bring in other people from the society that's normal, per se, like pastors and people who's never been to jail, and they come in and love on them, that tears down a stronghold in their mind that, wait, maybe society will have me again. It's just not about us going in at all. You know, there's strongholds in the minds that, that has to be torn down. We have to be able to enter in with them and see these things and then encourage them. We, have, um, we always try to take somebody in with us to the jails um, because it's, a, it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. God's blessed us with a ministry, but without the body of Christ, we cannot do this. It's all of us. Wilcox Jail, we have a couple guys now um, that go over there for us on Tuesdays. Um, we do a support group on Tuesday night at First Baptist of Rochelle, and uh, there's a lot of fruit coming out of that. You know, it's just the Word of God, giving them the truth. Also, we're, God's allowing us to be able to get people that are have went through a program and they're in the transition stage of the program where they have... Uh, been taught the Word of God, been discipled, and um, God is allowing us to be able to take them into the jail. So it's a, you know, He calls us to give up our life for Him and to follow Him. And so we're not teaching, you know, our, there's, a, there's a huge lie that when you go through a program, you get your life back. Well, that's not what, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that He gave us His life now to, to lay down our life for Him. And so we want uh, the people to know, you know, w when you're in transition, if you want to go share your testimony, if you want, because, you know, we're, we all are to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus. Um, another huge thing with the churches, you know, if we have somebody from Dodge County that goes into a program, when they get out, if they are to run, return back home, we want to find a church that's going to that's going to take them in, pull them in, and 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 you know, because you've been through a program, then you hit the world, and it's really scary. So you need people that are not going to judge, that are going to come pull, come alongside, pull them in. And so that's a part of what we're wanting to do as well. And that's where we could really use y'all's help. We also, um, that's a huge part of it because we pray that if they're leaving a certain area, they don't come back to that area. We, we pray that they, they get grounded, per se, if they send them to a better way and then they go somewhere else and live. But we pray that they further the gospel because it's about the kingdom of God. It's about sharing the gospel with others. 
And uh, if they choose to come back, though, we pray that a church will receive them and let them come in and love on them and disciple them. We also have a letter program where people can write individuals first name basis only, obviously for reasons, but encourage these people who are in programs that with scripture or with something of encouragement of love. Um, because when you're trapped in addiction, you, you, you lose your mind and, and you come up with perceptions about yourself that just aren't true. And you know, it's the, the drugs are just a symptom because the issues are the heart, the heart issues. Not knowing that you're loved, accepted, not knowing that you're worthy, not knowing that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. These are truths that we don't know when we're in addiction. You know, and even though a person may be loved all their life, they fall into the grips of addiction. Um, we don't have an answer of why, but we have a solution to it. You know, um, all mine was a heart problem. I didn't feel loved. I felt like um, I had to strive. I just I had a heart condition, and I didn't know Jesus. But when I met Jesus... My life changed. I was transformed from the inside out. It's not about behavior modification. It's about transformation. Transformation. It's not about laws that try to put morality into people. It's about us loving them. You know, Jesse and I, the love of Christ compels us to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I feel like I, that's what we're all called to do, is to be the hands and feet of Christ. To be intentional when we see those on the streets or out in our community that, that's that's ridden with drug addiction or, or homelessness, you know. I, and, I, and I'm convicted many times I don't share the gospel when I should. You know, and, and I was one of the worst cases there was. I was the one that society said there's no hope for. I was the one the judge gave 10 years to. You know, but God, but God, there's hope for all of us in the gospel. And uh, there's people dying every day in our streets, especially now because of the fentanyl. But every day people are dying. They're dying because they don't know Jesus. They're dying because they don't know love, the love of God. Um, whenever I was in the program, whenever I went into the program, uh, the South Georgia Potter's House, I told y'all that I was one of the worst cases that had ever been there. Um, I was the worst case. I don't say, maybe it is a little pride there. I need to let the Lord take that. But um, I was so depressed and, and had just, you know, was not in my right mind at all and had not repented yet. But um, I didn't want to shower and I didn't want to bathe and I smelt bad. And this is just being transparent. And so God allows... Um, allows us to be able to, when we see somebody in that condition, to put them in the back of our van. And I told Bobby one day, you know, a lot of y'all aren't going to understand this, but I pray that God speaks through this. The smell of brokenness, we, we actually have come to be so grateful whenever somebody gets in our vehicle and has that smell because I know that there's hope and I know that there's a Savior. And so um, I pray that the Lord opens all of our eyes, even ours, because we get so focused on what we do that we're blind to things. We're, bl we're blind to things. As a body of Christ, we've all got to encourage each other, you know, to have the heart of Jesus. And, um, and, and you know, just being able to be touched whenever you feel like a leopard, when you feel like nobody wants to be around you, when you've done everybody wrong and nobody cares. Um, 
just being hugged and being touched. That's what I see helps more in the jail ministry than anything is being able to go in there and just give these ladies the biggest hug ever um, because that's, that's the love of Jesus. That's the hands and feet of Christ. And I'm so grateful God sees us fit to be able to do this. And it goes with the men as well when you go into the jail cell. When you shake a man's hand, if you pull him to you and you hold him and tell him that Jesus loves him and just hold him for that second, that's going to break down that, that pride. Because most of the men's, it's a lot of pride in the jails. You know, um, it's a sad thing when we go into a jail, and I can speak for the men, and I'll ask how many are fathers. All of them raise their hands. All of them raise their hands. The devil's got them where, you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to be the head. They're supposed to be the leaders, and here they are in a jail cell. You know, and what's sad is you ask them how many, how many times you've been here. How many... I usually go for three. How many has been here more than three times? Most of them raise their hands. That's sad. And there's no doubt in my, in my mind that at that moment, they really don't want to come back to jail. They really don't. But they do, don't they? It's a reality of it. But we love on them, and we encourage them, and we speak truth to them. And, and, and sometimes truth really hurts people. It hurts their pride. It hurts their perception of how things should be handled. It hurts... A lot of things, how people think it should be handled. And uh, all we, what, I don't want to say all, what we have is what God's given us. He set us both free through the cross of Calvary. And he has given us a life. We've, we've got the golden thread through this to be able to go to someone and say, this is what worked. This is what worked. This is what works. And it's not easy. It's not easy for family members. It's not easy for the one that's sitting in the jail or the one that's overdosed that's on life support. It's not easy. And it's surely not easy for the churches today to be able to deal with addictions. Because we've got to have boundaries. We've got to be on the, all on the same page because they'll go from church to church to church trying to get help and abusing the church. And then in return, we get a bad taste and we shut our door to everyone that needs help because they're homeless or they're drug addicts. But we need to be on the same page. And that's why we ask that we hope that all the churches will know that they can send them all to the Christian Life Center. Just send them there. That way we know they're coming in, they're getting, they're getting their food, they're getting their clothes, and we know they come for more than just bread. They come for the bread of life there. And we'll know the, the ones who are coming in who are addicted, who needs help. You know, we keep urine tests in our office. We will help you. But first, let's clear the table. Let's see where you're at with addiction or drugs. You'll be amazed at how many people don't want to take a urine test. And that simply means they're not ready. Well, okay. Um, yes. There's a lot of things. We, it's hard because we don't want to be prideful. We don't have a Facebook page. We don't post things because it's not, you know, you just don't do that. You want to take the gospel to somebody and get them some help. So the ministry, we, we've been blessed to, to have a, a team of advisory board, uh, Pastor Chad's on it, and we had to come up with a newsletter for our first thing, and that was very difficult, coming up with a newsletter, because we just don't want to promote what's going on, and there's a lot of things going on, though, and just to show that how the, the ministry's working is that we have the restored group on Tuesday night in Abbeville, where now it's in Rochelle, we have Dodge County Jail Ministry, Telfair County Jail Ministry, the Wilcox County Jail Ministry, we have Montgomery State Prison Ministry. We have blessing bags for the homeless. We keep a little backpack with Vienna sausages and waters and 
whatever the season may be in a little backpack. So when we see somebody homeless, we just hand them the bag. And it's got the book of John in it, um, the most important thing to have in the bag. Um, we do, we educate and, and consult with local churches regarding addiction issues within the body of Christ. Uh, getting mothers and children off the street into safe housing. Working with the legal community and seeing God's work in the hearts of judges as they show favor for Christian discipleship programs rather than uh, prison sentences. Helping family members set boundaries by encouraging them to raise the bottom. Working with the Dodge County Baptist Association, providing transportation to bus stations, detox programs, homeless shelters, and discipleship programs, and sharing the gospel along the way with food, clothing, and hygiene items as well. Taking those in the transitional phase, as Jesse said, into the jails to help build them up. Um, we provide financial sponsorship for one because ministries don't ever charge us, but they do have induction fees. And when you take somebody, we're never denied, but if we can help, we will help another ministry, not to be such a burden to them, to help them when we can. And then um, we give out Bibles, a lot of Bibles. And then there's numbers through the months, but we don't want to talk about all the numbers of professions and faith and people and programs. But that's just some of what we've been doing, and it, it's a full-time ministry, and God's blessing it every day. Um, we would like to leave with this, if it's all right. It's a scripture. Um, it's out of Isaiah 58. It starts with Isaiah 58, 6. It says, Is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before the glory of the Lord, will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the fingers, and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. Thank y'all for letting us share today. Um, we are here for you guys. If y'all need us, we're at the Dodge County Baptist Association of Christian Life Center. We'll have some cards afterwards. If you know anybody you want us to speak with, just call us. We're always available, always. Thank y'all.